This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. I'm Uma Paganampake Pagan and this is Bookmark. On the show today, I'm speaking to Singaporean author Bali Kaur Jaswal. Uh, so hello, my name is Bali Kaur Jaswal and I am the author of Erotic Stories for Punjabi Widows. That's right. Her book is called Erotic Stories for Punjabi Widows. But you know what? I'll let Bali explain what it's all about. So Bali, I finished the advance readers copy they sent me and it's uh, it's brilliant. I, I absolutely <laughs> love it. It's hilarious. It's funny. It's insightful. It's nowhere nearly as dirty as the title suggests. <laughs> No. <laughs> so I wasn't sure what I was expecting going into it. But it's a very good read. So, a uh, very quickly, if you could just tell our listeners who may not know what the book's about. Um so it's a novel it's, it's, so that's that's a one misconception I think. Some people think it's a it's a book of short stories and it's literally a book of uh, erotic stories for Punjabi widows. Uh but it's actually a novel uh about a young woman named Nikki who is um a British Indian and she has signed up to teach a creative writing class at a local community center in South Hall which is the um Punjabi immigrant enclave in in London. She you know thinks she's going to liberate these women and tell their stories but she gets a, a little bit of a shock when she notices that the the women who have signed up for the classes are illiterate and what has been advertised to them is a class that's literally writing so literally actually learning their ABCs and starting from the fundamentals. So the the class sort of evolves then uh from uh, the creative writing class that Nikki thought uh she was going to teach and the literacy class that they thought that they were going to take into a storytelling class uh, and 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 the women are most interested in uh, speaking about their desires and the things that were denied to them when they were when they were wives Can I just say there is tremendous spin-off potential in writing an actual <laughs> collection of short stories ah, for widows. Yes, that's true. That's true. I haven't thought of that actually. <laughs> you've written for Harper and you've written for Epigram as well. Mm-hmm. And and I was curious how would a how would a book with this title go down in Singapore? Well, um the, the book only came out uh, sort of less than 2 weeks ago so I'm still sort of the you know the reception is sort of slowly coming in. Um I've I've only heard positive things um the same sort of surprise that 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 I've gotten it anywhere else when I've mentioned the title and the the laughter um you know that's been quite universal uh, I I did do on the day that the book was released I did a reading uh for university students at at NTU which is which is where I um teach creative writing part time and it went down very well Uh, you know I read I read sort of the some of the marriage announcements that are in that first chapter um and 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 it did go down very well I of course you know was a little bit apprehensive about um offending uh, the community the the Punjabi Sikh community but so far all I've gotten is is a very positive response. Well that's very good because I think yeah. there is that notion of one of our own has done well she's published in London yeah. you know. <laughs> And exactly. I, I think that helps. Um, it, it's interesting, though, because I think over the last six months, there have been two books out of Singapore that I've tremendously enjoyed. Uh, one is yours, and then the other one was Cheryl Tan's uh, Sarong mm-hmm. Party Girls. Mm-hmm. And they're both. Yeah, we have the same editor, actually, same oh, well, U.S. editor. Well, that's great yeah. to know because um, mm-hmm. I, I think I, I can tell 
from okay. from from a little bit of that style because it feels like you weren't nothing was lost your voice was mm-hmm. there i mean sarong party girls having been written in singlish as well mm-hmm. to have an american editor take that stand and go through with it and i think the yeah. same the same with your book i mean i felt that i could connect with it and that it wasn't written purely for a western audience or at least mm-hmm. it wasn't edited purely for a western audience mm-hmm. that was very important to me um I, I even with my earlier two novels uh you know inheritance my first novel was uh written while i was living in england and then it was published first in australia so i was very aware that um there were some things that i would need to explain to the audience and then as i was writing it i thought but i have read books by um by indian authors that have written you know with footnotes where they've really really explained and 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 really kind of spoon-fed the audience and I thought surely we are we're past that now. I find that incredibly um, distracting as a reader though. Yes, yeah, and it does and 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 then it, it's it's less universal, it really is, you know, sort of pandering to that audience. So I I just I I decided not to do that. I think there's there's a little bit of of um there's a little bit of explanation, but it's quite implicit in the narrative and it, it I in the back of my mind I always thought of who the audience would be and 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 it occurred to me that I it, the audience wasn't only western, it was also, I also wanted a Singaporean audience to read this novel. I I think there are experiences in the novel that we all share especially from living overseas early on in the book and I I think it's in the second chapter if I'm not mistaken you begin with this idea of wanting to be british and buying yardley english lavender mm-hmm. soap Mm-hmm. My grandmother used to do that all the time yeah. and I think there's an immediate you know the plaid skirt and tights there's a, there's a, there's an immediate yeah. connection there to anyone who's reading the book I yeah. think those experiences are universal Yeah there's that fear as well of being seen as unclean there's this this that that character has this this fear that um that that the british people are going to smell it on her somehow that That's she's right. foreign you know so she washes her hands and she makes her daughter wash her hands and then well you see what happens later in that chapter and it all kind of um unravels um uh, but 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 that is a very universal fear and and i did try to put lots of universal sort of things about being the child of immigrants like the um the 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 experience i think we've all had this where you open the freezer and you take out you know you you see this nice tub of ice cream in there and then you open it up and it's frozen dal oh it's not ice cream <laughs> it's a frozen curry or something it's not it's not ice cream they you know your parents have used the tupperware the or the ice cream container as tupperware and it's so disappointing it's such a universal experience like every indian friend of mine has had that experience oh you're absolutely right now <laughs> in in sharing this narrative though just going back to what you were saying about not over explaining i think mm-hmm. it's interesting as malaysian writers as singaporean writers it may not be as universal as say the indian japanese or chinese experience uh, at least to the western audience right i think they're getting a little bit more of that right now mm-hmm. and as a punjabi author though you are part of a double minority not just in singapore mm-hmm. but also in for a western audience as well because yeah. it's a subsect of the indian community yeah. does that make it very difficult when you're telling your story or does that go through your mind at all um yeah a little bit actually just with the title um because it this is the first time that i um the idea of a novel came to me at the same time that it, that the title came to me um and 
when I when I thought about the title, I remember thinking, is Punjabi going to be so foreign? Is that word going to be so foreign that people are going to be turned off um, and going to say, well, what is a Punjabi widow? Um, to my surprise, I've never gotten that question. And I think that, um, that perhaps it is implied. I, I think a lot of people have heard the word Punjabi and perhaps know that it is something Indian, that there is it is some sort of Indian subset. Um, but others maybe... There, there, there was the, I guess, the, the implied information there. Um, it, it somehow worked better than erotic stories for Indian widows. For some reason, I, I wanted it to be quite specific because those Punjabi widows are quite a specific little clan of their own, you know, wearing white and, 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 and the, the way they shuffle about together and the, you know, um, the way they kind of um, congregate together in, in the temple is, is quite unique. Um, so it yeah so it, it it did occur to me that uh, it might be perhaps could be a bit alienating and then again it came back to that idea of well, who am I pandering to then um, if I have to explain who this group is uh, and then it hasn't really been an issue. I think the specificity helps in that it's mm-hmm. there's an added curiosity on the part of the reader. Uh, Indian is such yes. a catch-all phrase that yeah. uh, Punjabi if I don't know what it is at least for me makes me want to discover more and I'm willing to forgive a little bit of exposition in that sense yeah and there is a little bit of explanation I mean there is there there is you know the um the mention of the the explanation of sort of core and sing and how all Sikh females are core and all male um males are sing there are a couple of things that I put in there so that um, the reader wouldn't be completely sort of put off by this this foreign world because I wanted, while I didn't want it to be uh, sort of an educational text where I'm explaining everything, I also wanted the reader to feel as if um, there was a road in for them, that if they felt like outsiders, they should very quickly feel like insiders in this story. How much of you is in this story? <laughs> Um, I was. I mean, every every novel is 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 biographical in some way. I think my first two novels were probably closer to my experience because they were set in Singapore and they were set in the Punjabi community in Singapore. Um, erotic stories is quite a departure from that. It's set in London. Um, it's. it's I, I had to to make up a lot more details and I had to kind of venture out a lot more. But I would say um, Nikki's character is is a lot like me. I think in my early twenties, and a lot of a lot of women I knew in my early twenties, uh, where we had these very lofty ideals about what it was <laughs> to be a feminist. You know, like we had, and 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 I still I hold on to some of those ideals. But I think that um, ten years on, I have a more measured approach, and I see that that um, people's circumstances are different, and we all start from different places. But I think that when you're early twenties, you're so eager to set right all of the injustices in the world um, that you kind of go into everything with this very blinkered approach and this very extreme approach uh, which is what Nikki does like she has this real mentality of like colonizing these widows like you know I'm going to liberate them I'm going to you know tell their narratives and you know expose all of these injustices and she actually gets a, a few lessons in how to sort of be more realistic and be more mature about the way that she approaches feminism and that she, she the way that she's a feminist this is not the only way that one can be a feminist. So why South Hall then? Because because your last two novels were set in Singapore, and I'm assuming the Punjabi widow experience is quite similar. Yeah. Um, well, South Hall was really unique because it it's a physical place. It's it's actually a place where the community lives, whereas in Singapore and and in Malaysia, 
you have a Punjabi community, but it's more conceptual. Like they're kind of they're spread out. Um, and in England, certainly the Punjabi community is spread out as well. But then there's this one area where a lot of them are very, very concentrated. Um, and I think South Hall, just stepping out of the tube station, you know, the, the sign um, says South Hall in English and then it says welcome to South Hall in Punjabi. That's right. Um, you can you can pay, apparently, I've never tried this, but you can actually pay at the pub with rupees <laughs> on the Broadway. You're joking. I'm not joking. This is what I've been told. Um, and it's it's just, it's such a different world. And I really wanted to immerse readers in that physical place, in that physical world. Um, also, from a practical standpoint, I think the East-West divide is a lot easier to write when you actually have, uh, you've got the community in England. Uh, sorry, you've got Punjabis and then you've got England and you've got those two um, very different worlds. Whereas if I had Punjabis in Singapore, it's sort of, it's 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 not quite east-west. It's sort of east and another kind of east. <laughs> so it's a little bit more challenging to to sort of portray. No, you're right, actually, because I think you you end up addressing these issues in very very different ways. I haven't read Inheritance, but I've read Sugar Bread, and I really enjoyed it. And I think the voice of Pin was 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 very strong in that in that novel. And you're you're addressing different issues of identity and race and society and patriarchy and i think it plays out very differently in london mm-hmm. yeah it does it um you know the the, uh, the punjabis who migrated to london uh, firstly they've they've they, they migrated quite early so from the 1940s onward so there's there's several generations um and so they've they've really had very complex um, identity issues and, and, and complex grapplings with their identity over those generations. Um, and then there is the issue of sort of being, if you're all concentrated in one area, um, you're sort of, the, the, there's a sense that you're sort of preserved in time. Uh, and, and it is, there's something very comforting about that. Like you come to a foreign country, everything is so alien and hostile, especially in the 1940s and 50s. You can only imagine that you know, being being in your own little world uh, is very comforting and, and, and very safe. It's just a matter of sort of, you know, the how that affects the identities then of their children and how so many of them are so much more Indian than they are British, which I found really interesting because, you know, you've, you've grown up in, in, in a different country your whole life, but you're so connected to what's happening in Punjab and what's happening, like, you know, the latest music from there and the, everything sort of imported from India and they're, they're just so much more connected than I would have expected. If, if it was indeed set in Singapore, mm-hmm. how different would that be? Because would that question of literacy or illiteracy come up? I think with those older older women, it still would be an issue. I think, you know, the women in my grandmother's generation, um, a, a lot of them can't read or write. And I, and I think I found it quite surprising in England, I mean, th- these were women with British passports. Like, I, I could accept that, you know, a, a, a woman with a, a Singapore passport from a certain generation, like, you know, in, who's in her 70s or 80s, uh, would not be able to, to read or write in English, but, you know, can speak, can, like, get around by speaking in Malay or something. But in England, these women with British passports don't don't speak a word of English, cannot read or write in English, Um and, and and they've gotten around they've, they've because they've lived in South Hall their whole lives. They've actually um, 
you know, gotten away with it in a way. They've they've had members of the community help them. Um, they've, they've they've learned everything from the people around them. They've had their children and their grandchildren translate when they go to the doctor. They've managed without English. So that illiteracy issue is def- definitely there. Am I right in thinking that the Singapore Punjabi community is probably more integrated into Singaporeanness as a whole? I think so. I mean, I think we've we've had to be because we've been, you know, we're sort of um, well, it's so small. spread around. Yeah, it's small. That's one thing. And then also, like, we're not allowed to, um, you know, form our own little ghettos. Like, we're not allowed to, you know, we, we have to be, the, the government regulates, you know, the, the, the spread of, of racial, of, of, of the different races around the, the country. So you don't have like a building full of Punjabis or you don't have a neighborhood um, that's just concentrated um, of, of one one ethnicity. So there is more of a spread. And, and you see that as well with Indian communities in America as well. Although there are some areas where more are concentrated, the, the idea really was, and America so much bigger as well, that you you go to America and then you kind of, you just spread across like, like butter, you know, until, <laughs> until you just sort of thin, until, until you can't be seen. And the result is perhaps more integration, at, at least from the, my observations and experience. There isn't this sort of really concentrated and really preserved Indian identity that, that may sometimes run in conflict with the, the um, identity of the country that they're living in. Well, it only happens when you're under siege for something. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, I guess that's when that collective identity suddenly takes root in whatever community yeah. you might be in. Yeah. Uh, we, we see it here in Malaysia as well. Everyone's, everyone's an Indian until someone's under siege, and then suddenly you're Malayali or Silonese or Punjabi. Yeah. Or, you know, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> uh, before I let you go, though, I, I, I have a bee in my bonnet about book covers, and, and yours is absolutely <laughs> brilliant. And oh, it's, it's, it's been a long time since I've seen uh, something, I guess, different or unique and just pretty. It's been a while. Yeah. Uh, talk to me about that. Did you have any, did you have any input into the cover? Because it's, it's, it's wonderful. It is. It's lovely. Um, uh, we talked a little bit about the ideas, um, but HarperCollins came back to me with that um, cover, and it was just, it was just so lovely. Like it, I, it, it was just that the gold um, and and the the houses below that made it clear that this was a story that was about Indians, but they were they were in England. Uh, it was it, just the, the contrast between those two was just was just really really beautiful um and the women on top of the houses i thought that gave them a very sort of powerful position and if you notice in the in the hardcover edition which is out now if you open it up in the first the first page there's this patterned sort of paper with lots of vegetables which of course if you've read the book you'd know the significance of those vegetables in 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 the erotic stories that's right that's right actually the advanced readers <laughs> copy has uh, a quote on the cover i don't know if you know that oh okay so yeah, yeah, the, the quote right. on the front cover is vegetables are the best tell me is there anything that gives you a better <laughs> idea of how it would feel and taste and a description of it as a juicy juicy aubergine <laughs> my editor loves that quote. i love that quote too <laughs> This is a this is a wonderful book, and um, I, I'm definitely going to encourage people to go read it. Uh, I just had w- one one quick question mm-hmm. in in writing this book that was set outside of Singapore uh, and the Punjabi community outside of Singapore. Was there anything in particular in your research, in your writing process, that surprised you about your own community? Um, I suppose it, it wasn't so much in the researching of this book, but but one of the things that um, 
um, sort of inspired this book was when I lived in England um, in uh, 2007 to 2008. Um, that, that was the first time that I had access to so many um, Punjabi narratives, you know, because there's there's so much of literature um, in England from from the Indian perspective and from the Punjabi perspective. Uh, and that was where I came across uh, a number of those, the, the, the stories in the news and also like actual memoirs about um, honor crimes and the issues of alcoholism and domestic violence in the Punjabi community. And these things are just so um, silenced, you know, we don't, we don't talk about them. And, and there were these very brave women who are coming up and saying, this is a real issue in the community. And when I read these stories, it really, obviously it, it struck a very personal nerve with me um, because the descriptions of family life and everything were, were, you know, quite familiar to me. And then just the, the fact that this idea of honor was so, um, it, it was so strong and so, um, significant and so important to these families that uh, they, they were willing to kind of put their children in, in, in really dangerous situations and, and sort of dismiss the needs of their children. Um, it, that really shocked me, I think, um, because that sort of thing, again, you hear, you hear about it happening in villages. Uh, you hear about it happening in another time almost. You don't expect it to be happening in 21st century England. Bali, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Uma. It was lovely chatting with you. I've been speaking today to Bali Court Jaswal. You can find erotic stories for Punjabi widows at all good bookstores. It's funny and insightful and tremendously well written. Go find it and read it. You've been listening to Bookmark. This is BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.